Welcome to Marketing Unfiltered, where I ditch the highlight reel and share the unfiltered truth about how to get clients online. The good, the bad, and the OMG, thank God I'm not the only one. I'm Sophia Para. Let's dive in. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Marketing Unfiltered. I hope you have your headphones in because today's episode contains some R-rated content, thanks to the help of one of my favorite television shows, Sex and the City. But before we get there, I want to tell you why I'm sharing this content tip today. And it's because I was just on a coaching call with someone and I was auditing her feed. And actually I'm doing a lot of audits right now because we are auditing our annual members content inside of what the heck to post. So a big thing that I'm noticing is people, I mean, we have, you know, predominantly coaches inside of what the heck to post and our coaches are freaking awesome. They know their shit. They know how to be awesome freaking coaches. Okay. They have years of experience or they're just getting started, but either way they know who their audience is. They know how to support them through their roadblocks and they are great at what they do. However, Being great at what you do and sharing great content that teaches and supports people through their pain points is not the same as being fun to follow. And this can be a hard thing for people to wrap their head around, right? Because they're like being fun to follow. Why the heck does that matter? Like, I'm just trying to be a coach, right? I'm just trying to share what I know. And I get that. But the biggest, most unspoken social media metric is the metric of retention. The people that keep coming back, the people that want to keep coming back. And yes, some people do come back for tip after tip after tip, but after a certain point, they're also going to feel a little burnt out by the tips. However, if they like hanging out with you, if they see themselves in you, if they find you fun to follow... Now your content is a little bit more diversified, right? And people come back because they see a friend in you, right? Because you've tapped into another part of your relationship with them, right? So yes, you are this amazing resource. You are this coach, but also they feel like they know the human behind the brand. And that my friends is social media. So something I'm seeing a lot of uh, the content that I'm auditing is They are nailing the tips. They're nailing the tricks. They're nailing the education, but they are forgetting the most important part. And that is how are you relating to your audience? So this brings me to my favorite R-rated content tip. And again, this is actually an actual tip. It was shared in some documentary about sex in the city. So this is an legit rule, right? But I guess it's called, I don't know if it's really called the sex in the city rule or the person who told me about this rule called it the sex in the city rule, but let's just call it the sex in the city rule. Apparently this is the rule. Every minor storyline in the show has to have happened to someone in the room. Okay. So remember the time Carrie's neighbors were, uh, you know, doing the dirty (laughs) next door with the windows wide open and all the girls are sitting at the window all day, like eating chips and smoking weed and having wine, just watching these people have sex all day. Yeah. That happened to someone in the writer's room, right? A real life story that they brought into the writer's room and they worked it into the script. Another example. Do you remember when Samantha Jones had cancer And she was losing 
oh, wait, hold on. Did she have cancer at this point yet? Actually, I don't think she did. I think she was just playing kinky games with her boyfriend at the time. I can't quite remember. Either way, she dyed her downstairs red. And there's this hilarious scene where she pulls Carrie into the bathroom. I think it was like at a baby shower or something. And she lifts up her skirt to reveal her... to reveal what she called her bozo the bush (laughs) because she had accidentally dyed it red. She had kept the dye in for too long or something like that. Again, this happened to someone in the room or a friend of a friend of someone in the room or whatever it was. Third example. Do you remember when Miranda hired a judgmental cleaning lady and this cleaning lady was going around the apartment, cleaning, cleaning up her apartment. And she finds a drawer full. I don't know if it was full of dildos or just had one dildo, but it was next to the bedstand, and she was appalled at finding this dildo. So the next day after her cleaning lady had cleaned the apartment, she goes into her bedroom and she opens up her nightstand drawer because I guess she's going to, you know, <laughs> this is so weird to like talk about on a podcast because I don't know how much I have to be filtered. I guess this is unfiltered, right? But she is going to use her dildo, right? And Instead of a dildo in there, there is a little statue of the Virgin Mary. (laughs) Oh my God. It just cracks me up thinking about these scenes. Or is another example. This happened most recently in the show. And just like that, the Sex and the City remake, when Charlotte had a flash period and she bled through her white pants after thinking she was headed into menopause, but then turns out she wasn't, or I guess she was, but she had a flash period. So who knew that happened, right? But it happened to someone in the writer's room or in the cast or something like that. So they worked it into the storyline. So all of these things, right? All of these things happened to someone in the room. And the reason it's really important to mention that is because this is why they put it in the show, because this is what creates storylines that are grounded in reality right? Otherwise, especially in this situation with writers, this is where it can get really dangerous of creating unbelievable stuff, right? At a certain point, you're going to kind of go down a rabbit hole and start creating a lot of unrelatable, unbelievable storylines. And this is when we start losing interest in characters because they just don't feel grounded in reality. Even for example, I love Grey's Anatomy. I'm actually re-watching it right now. I haven't seen it in like 10 years. So I'm re-watching it right now from the beginning. Amazing writing, amazing stories. But I know where this season is headed. They just finished 20 freaking seasons. And how many times has Meredith Grey like died and come back to life slash almost died and come back to life. It's getting to the point where it, it's not believable. Like it, that type of stuff doesn't happen that many times to one freaking person, right? So that's what I mean. Like it can get dangerous after a while that you can start to be really unrelatable. This, so this is why the Sex in the City rule exists to make sure the storylines are constantly grounded in reality. Okay. Again, this keeps it relatable and makes it possible for the audience to see themselves in the story, because so often we watch these funny, hilarious things in Sex and the City, and we can be like, oh my God, that happened to me once, or oh my God, I remember I did that with my friend, or oh my God, my sister had this thing happen to her, right? And now it's funny because we see ourselves in it. Okay, so what does this have to do with you and your content? Hint, hint, the purpose of your content isn't just to show what you know, it's to relate to your audience. And I know I've said that a few times. 
So the reason this is so important is because you cannot just focus on tips and value. You have got to relate to your people. You have to let them see themselves in your content. That is the secret with social media. That's the reason it has performed so much better than traditional forms of marketing. So how do we do that? I am going to give you a few questions and I think it'd be a good idea to write these down and journal on them, right? But I'm going to give you a few questions to start this journey. There's obviously more questions I can ask you, right? So if you, if more questions come to mind that you want to journal around, go for it, but this will be a good start. The first one is what does my audience experience that I also experience, right? So for example, social media marketing. I work in social media marketing. What does my audience experience that I, who's also creating content, just like my audience also experience, right? Um, there's so many things, right? I overthink content like you do. I, you know, get hard on myself about engagement as well. I've had to work on that for years. I also get stuck in comparing myself to other people's content, right? To, to other people's social media pages, right? What I can do with this information is I can write it all down, write a bunch of experiences that we will all have, and I can create reels to make fun of those experiences, right? Like I can, you know, I could do carousels where I can paint the picture of a typical day of a content creator and ask who else experiences this, right? Like, and it can be the whole purpose of it can be just for people to be like, oh my gosh, this is so me, or oh my gosh, I do this all the freaking time. The 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 point doesn't have to be to sell a a program from this post or anything like that. But when people are able to see themselves in your content, they automatically feel like you get them. So the first question is, what does your audience experience that you also experience? And then once you have identified what some of those things are, watch like when you're deciding on real trends or real ideas or carousels or things like that, consider topics on those experiences, right? The second question is, why do I know their pain? So for example, let's say you are a weight loss coach, right? Maybe not, you haven't necessarily gone on your own weight loss journey, but let's just say in this situation you have, right? Why do you know their pain? Because you've also gone through a journey. So when's the last time you shared your personal story? When's the last time you shared your journey? When's the last time you shared an aspect of your personal story or a certain thing you had to get over before you could start seeing results? How can you take people more behind the scenes on your personal life, on that personal story that you have been on so that people can see, ah, she, he, they get me, right? Like this is about bringing people behind the scenes and showing people that you don't just know their pain because people have told you about their pain. You know, their pain because you've lived it. And if you haven't lived it, that's okay too. This question might not be as helpful for you, but maybe this is about your clients. Then can you tell a personal story about your clients? Can you tell something that they went through and how you worked together on that? Right. Bring people behind the scenes in that way. The third question is, what's my guilty pleasure that my audience also experiences? And why am I going to stop being ashamed about it? Right? Like, I feel like this is more one that's just going to be fun, right? 
But I can think about this one time that one of my former clients, she uh, was like a strength and conditioning coach, but, but the truth of the matter is she went through a pretty unhealthy period where she was all about building muscle and all that stuff, but she was doing it. And she talks about this now in a really unhealthy way. She was really depriving herself of a lot of food. And, you know, if she had cheat days, which I think was like once a month or something like that. But what she would find herself doing was she would have her like daily vitamin, which was a gummy bear. And then her body would just like freak out about this one gummy bear. And she would find herself just like grabbing handfuls of these vitamin gummy bears and just like finishing an entire bottle of vitamins, like in one sitting, right? The third question is, do you have a guilty pleasure that you and your audience both experience and that you just want to stop feeling ashamed about. Like I can think of one of my friends, she was like, I don't know that she fully would like agree with this anymore at this way of doing it, but she used to help people like, you know, lose weight and build muscle. And she did, she deprived herself of a lot of things in order to do that, which she doesn't do anymore. But at the time her guilty pleasure were these like, delicious vitamins, right? So like she had these like gummy bear vitamins that tasted like candy. And every day she would just get so excited about eating these vitamins, right? So she did this really funny reel about how like, you know, her whole dog walk on that whole morning, she was like so excited to go home and eat these like candy vitamins. And it was just something that she felt like other people could relate to, like really looking forward to those vitamins. And she did a reel about that. And people found it freaking hilarious because they're like, oh my gosh, I do that too. I cannot believe you also do that, right? Another thing for me that is a guilty pleasure is my coffee habit. Like I have tried to cut coffee so many times just because, I don't know, people tell me I should not drink coffee. (laughs) I don't even know if that's true, but my mom does not believe I should be having coffee. So I have often tried to cut it because everyone tells me I should cut it, but I just freaking love it. So my husband like did a reel about, you know, cutting coffee and how it's going to, you know, cut all the joy out of your life or something like that. I don't know. It was funny. But the point is like, is there a guilty pleasure that you and your ideal audience can relate to that you can make fun of or poke fun of, right? The fourth question is, what did I used to think that was true? that your current audience probably still thinks is true. And what do you think now? Again, this can be a funny thing, or this could be something more serious, right? But this is really about what are these like beliefs that you used to have at the beginning of your journey that probably now you might even look back and be like, oh my God, how the heck did I think that was true? Right. But identify what those are because that can be great relatable content, right? Whether you're busting myths and making it something more serious or you are poking fun of it and laughing at the old you now compared to the new you, right? But again, something that your current audience can be like, oh, oh my gosh, I definitely thought that too. Or, uh-oh, I still think that. What the heck is the truth, right? And again, now we're just approaching it from a place of relatability versus being the coach or being the preacher or being the teacher, Okay. So like I said, these four questions will help you get started with thinking from a place of relatability that can also serve your audience. And the beauty about relatable content is once you get started with it, you so many ideas are going to start coming to you, right? Because 
that when you tap into your humanness, right, this is the most natural part on social media. This is the part that will come out the most naturally and that people are going to gravitate towards. So once you get started, once you kind of, you know, build that momentum, I have found that more comes, more ideas come, more ways that I can share that human factor of myself and of my experience. And that is really where, in my opinion, you know, that is really like the most effective content on social media. Cause that's the whole point of social media for us to be more acquainted with the human behind the brand. Your stories is what will bring your content together so that you're speaking to people's hearts, right? Not just their heads. So again, just a little food for thought. If you needed the sex in the city rule, I know we got a little bit R rated there, but like I said, I really do feel like this is something that a lot of people are missing with their content. So I cannot wait to see what you do with it. All right, friends, I will see you on the next one. Give yourself a pat on the back because you made it to the end, which means you gave yourself and your business some time today. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know your support is what makes it possible for us to keep making it. So it would make my day if you gave us a five-star rating and review. I also want to make sure this podcast actually answers your marketing questions, like for real, for real. So if you're a coach and you've got a marketing question that's keeping you stuck, just DM it to me over at Sophia Para on Instagram. Or if you're in the United States, you can text it to my personal number at 917-810-2418. That way I can share resources or create a future episode just for you. See you on the next one.